0: The data shows that the length of any recessionary economy historically, and there's been probably six or seven of them that I looked at, has traditionally matched the length of the prosperous economy going into it. So the lagging indicator we talked about unemployment, three point six percent, sub four percent. People keep pointing to that. That's one of those questionable variables where I don't think I've got enough data and inputs yet to make kind of a judgment call as to what happens next. But what I'll tell you historically. And I I don't know how the COVID pandemic's damage that we did to the economy plays into this, but historically speaking, you don't hit the height of the recession until that lagging indicator creeps up, right? So when we see unemployment really get wild, that's when you know you've hit the height of the recession. And it's a lagging indicator, so you're not gonna see it until after it's already happened. relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard, it's the higher standard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the higher standard. I am one host, Chris, and that is your other host, Saeed. Hello, everybody. And this is a reminder of Brian Moynihan and some of the dumbass stuff that he's been saying. Those of you who don't recall from a couple episodes back, we talked about him going to a conference on May 25th and talking about how great of a shape the consumer was in. But you don't need to remember it and you don't need to listen to that episode because I'm going to give it to you right now.
1: eye view. Yeah. Do you find it a good time to keep seeing those credit card borrowings expand yeah. at a time when a lot of consumers are feeling crimped by inflation? So let's, let's pull back and just. Look at it overall. So, there are a couple of key points. Number one, the account balances of the consumer pre pandemic to now are multiples bigger. So, a person had uh, you know, two to 3,000 average collective balance in accounts, now has, and that would have been about 1,400, uh, excuse me, if, uh, if one to 2,000 would have been about 1,400, is now almost 4,000 bucks. A person that had two to 5,000 would have about 3,500 on average, and now has $13,000. So, just step back and think about it. It grew 5% in the month of April for March. So what you're seeing is consumers have more money in their accounts. The, the idea that they spent the pandemic money that came in January, March last year, just not true. Now, the second question is, they pay down their credit card balances. From $100 billion we were down to 70 it's back up to 80 lots of borrowing capacity. The third point is, are they spending? And that's what's interesting. In the first two weeks of May, the consumer spent 10% more than they did last May. That's over top of the payments that went out to pay taxes. So the consumer is spending... And tra- people say, well, it's inflationary, 8% more transactions. Somebody doesn't. Use- Sorry, just, I, just, I don't want to interrupt because we're going to extend this to 45 minutes. This is the real Moynihan, guys. This is the bank nerd giving us the operational stuff here. But this actually goes to the heart of a lot of the economic questions of the moment, right? Because everyone's talking recession here. And stagflation. We were speaking with Bob Prince of Bridgewater. What you're saying does not scream of stagflation or recession. So that's this is that's why I said this. We were talking earlier. This is what makes the job, you know, the Fed's job hard and easy. Hard, hard, easy in that you have consumers in good shape. You know, not over leveraged. The uh, home uh, values went up, but frankly, the our LTV in our portfolio is in the 50s. So to give you a sense. So you know, it, 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 the prices went up and people didn't borrow it out and stuff. So that's the good news. The bad news is what's going to slow them down. So if you look at TSA Travel Sunday, it was over top of 19 by 10 percent. That's the number of people went through the airport. So overnight. what's going to slow them down? Yeah. So what's
0: going to slow them down? Nothing right now. And so the question. is Yeah. So that goes to show you, you do not have to be smart to be a bank CEO. That was a complete load of shit. That was a complete load of shit. And if you recall, you said last time we, we, we saw this mm-hmm. that he sounded completely fucking out of touch.
2: So out of touch, just talking about people's savings accounts where he doesn't even know. I mean, how much of that is was due to the stemmies?
0: Well, well, we're going to get into that. That was okay. all. Yeah. To, that was all <laughs> due to the STEMIs. So, it, it, so that goes to show you not only how out of touch he is, but he. If I I, I listened to this like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Since we played it, because it pisses me off every single time. And I thought to myself, like, how can this guy who's supposed to be a smart guy, who this, the other dude in the interview was like, yeah, this is the real Brian Moynihan, guys. This is a bank nerd who's completely getting it wrong on right. national television. Right. And this post already had 1.3 million, like, views, some crazy ass number out of 23,000 views, but 1.3 million subscribers, whatever. Right. So a lot of people saw this shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He's wrong. But so because I've listened to it multiple times since then, he actually contradicts himself. Okay. What's going to slow them down? Well, people are spending more now than ever on yeah. travel, yeah. you know, credit card balances credit they're, card debts pretty- went
2: down, but now they're yeah. going back up again. But why are they going back up again? People are using their credit cards to pay their bills.
0: Well, there's a, there's a psychological impact here that I think is completely missed by someone like him where we had this artificial and I, and I use that word I use that word intentionally. Okay. We had an mm-hmm. artificial recession with the COVID pandemic. Right. Where everybody was forced to stay home. It caused the entire supply chain to shut down
3: hmm.
0: So now we have a supply chain shortage leading into what I believe is a, is 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 a supply recession. Right. Right. And because of the stimulus checks, because of all these things, people, some people were making more money at home than they would have been at their jobs with the aggregate, you know, economic benefit they were getting in the form mm-hmm. of stimulus. So, yeah, now we had kind of a false start last year where it was kind of a head fake. We Nobody went out and actually did anything. It was just like, oh, we're glad to go have a great time. And then COVID-19 kind of came roaring back. Well, this is the first time anyone's going out and doing anything and is not really worried about COVID. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're spending. Of course, they got all this money. But the reason why I bring this up is the Wall Street Journal just came out with an article saying that Americans tap into their pandemic savings to cope with inflation. And I've got a chart here, and Saeed and I are looking at it. And it's hilarious.
2: It Tap is a word that they use loosely, yeah, I
0: guess. Yeah, loosely. <laughs> so effectively, we are at the lowest savings, personal savings rate monthly that we, we have seen since well before 2010. Mm-hmm. So they, it, it did jump up in 2020 as a result of, of this artificial stimulus. Right. And it's now fallen well below that because spending has far outpaced people's personal savings rates.
2: I know, man. It's 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 ridiculous. It's not, And it's not just guys like... Uh, Moynihan, right? I mean, Jerome Powell is saying that, you know, we can avoid a recession. You got Janet Yellen saying these things as well.
0: At least Janet Yellen came out and said she was wrong, but here's what I'll say about all of them. It, so I believe, and I've said this on the prior podcasts, and I'll say it again, that we have transitioned from what is or what was a supply side recession into a demand side recession.
3: Right. Okay.
0: Now the demand is falling off. And because mm-hmm. we didn't have a supply there originally. The GDP took a hit. And now because the demand fell off, we're still going to see GDP take a hit again. And that's going to be hugely impactful. I mean, 70% of GDP is consumer spending. Right. So at the same time, $2.7 trillion in extra savings were pumped into the economy. And now that's eviscerated by the spending that, that, that's taken place. So now while he's saying, oh, people's credit card situations are good, they're paying it down, that's actually wrong. Yeah. The time he said that was wrong. And you can tell what Brian Moynihan did is he went into this... I, I think it was a conference or something, right? Yeah. He went into it reading the prior quarter's reports and looking at some basic information that he had, not relying on real-time data as they come about, and was
2: not prepped properly.
0: Was not prepped properly, and and he said what he believed to be true from the prior quarter, and this shit did not age well.
2: No, it doesn't, and I mean, it sound I mean, think about it. How much? I mean, how much money could people have actually saved uh, from their stemmies, right, to hold them over? for a potential recession or keep us from in a recession. I mean, I think th- they're so out of touch with how much people are actually getting and saving, thinking they were just barely making ends meet that he, they don't even know what it would take to keep the people afloat.
0: No, he doesn't. And, and to give you an idea, so this interview was from May 25th, right? This is a quote from the Wall Street Journal article. The personal savings rate, a measure of how much money people have left over after spending in taxes reached 5.4% in May. Yes. The same month he said this, that figure is below the average of the last decade and far below the record of 34% in April, 2020. The record of 34%, mm-hmm. according to the Bureau of Economic uh, Analysis. Families have tapped into 114 billion of their pandemic savings so far, according to mm. Moody's analytics, which analyzed the government data. So you can see that th- this, is, this is bad. And then it goes on to say, at the end of March, balances of families with the lowest incomes were 65% above 2019. So it's interesting to see how far off the mark he was Mm -hmm. while he was sitting there, while he was being given kudos.
2: While being so close to what, you know, we're on the verge of hitting our, you know, second quarter of back-to-back, you know, know, low GDP to trigger a recession. Um, I mean... It's sad that someone as, as high up as him isn't prepped properly.
0: Well, I mean, look, if you want to rely on data that you know is accurate, you can do that. Mm-hmm. He can rely on numbers that he knows are finalized and concluded. And maybe that was his logic. But I bring this up as a way to point people to... I often, on social media and other places, really go pointed at people like Dave Ramsey. Just, you know Dave Ramsey sucks. But Dave Ramsey's got... An agenda. And I respect his agenda. Brian Moynihan doesn't have that agenda, but the result is still the same. It's bad data. Right. Now, I don't know if Brian Moynihan is, is an intelligent person or not. By all accounts, he's a smart guy.
2: I mean, yeah, look where he got himself.
0: But I can't help but look at these people who are very intelligent, who come from a great pedigree, who clearly don't have the agenda. Maybe he has one that I don't understand or don't see fully. To get this wrong. Right. Yeah, that is a that is a good question there. What what would be the agenda if
2: let's just say he's feeding into this? Well, what, what could the agenda be?
0: I mean, he's got shareholders. He's a publicly traded company. He's got mm-hmm. shareholders to keep happy. He's got analysts on Wall Street. Maybe he's trying to prop up Bank of America's stock price, although that's arguably depending on how you do it, ethical or not ethical or not, you know, if you're saying something that you don't believe to be true, it's questionable, but I don't, I don't think there is an agenda here. I, th- I think he's just relying on the previous quarter's reports. Right. And a lot of the problem that I see in the industry, frankly, from some of the well-known names that you know to people on social media, is they tend to rely on the finalized reports, which get a lot of attention. Yeah. And most people don't realize that a lot of these reports come out weekly. Mortgage applications comes out weekly. Right. You know, a lot of this data comes out weekly. They come out monthly. There's um, things like uh, the Atlanta Fed has GDP Now, which is kind of a real-time equivalent of tracking GDP. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that on prior podcasts too. So we, there's 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 sources of data that are much more real time. And granted, they're not finalized; they are subject to change, and they're they're you know approximate. But when you're going through this much change, in
3: mm-hmm.
0: this much turmoil, month after month, for you to rely on the previous quarter, yeah, that that's reckless. That's that's negligent. That, yeah, in that's my mind. negligent and
2: reckless. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I mean I I don't get I don't get how you know someone is as big as him he has to know that. If we know that, then he has
0: to know that. I don't I don't know. I don't know. So Come on. I, I think yeah. I think it clouds judgment. I think I think a lot of times we get I don't want to name names, but I had a very heated conversation with somebody who was insistent that the next Fed increase will be fifty basis. It's
2: and we know it's gonna be seventy-five.
0: Well. So today I read an article, the Fed hawk signal downshift in the U.S. Uh, rate hikes after July. And I'm like, OK, well, wait a minute. This is suggesting that the rate is going to be lower after mm-hmm. July. I read the article and this is from uh, this is from the article. I'm definitely in support of doing another 75 basis point hike in July. Fed governor Christopher Waller said during a discussion with the National Association for of, of Business Economics. Mm hmm. Probably 50 in September, Waller added. And then after that, we can debate whether to go back down to 25 basis points uh, or if inflation just doesn't seem to be going down, we have more to do. So I went ahead and took the liberty of looking up CPI's estimates. Again, this is not one of those finalized numbers. Right. But CPI, which is currently sitting at 8.6%, which is a 40-year high, Mm -hmm. is now projected to be at 8.8%. So. If that's true and inflation did not come down after all these increases that we've done so far and all, all this significant hits to the economy. Right. That means we've got a problem. And mm-hmm. that problem means that what we're doing is not enough. So I can't see them backing off of 75 basis points their last hit if it did not bring CPI down.
2: No, and no. And you know, one of the one of the markers that, you know, people are trying to cite or trying to use are you know unemployment rates, right? And um, I, can't,
0: I can't stand people do that. Yeah, unemployment yeah. rate for those of you who don't know is a lagging, lagging indicator. Indicator, it, it's way behind the
2: times. Not yeah, not a leading indicator of what's to come. But that's what you know. Some of these people, some of these people in the higher positions are trying to cite to get you to look at. And the other thing is they'll try to cite you know pay raises, but pay raises don't mean shit when inflation is higher. So you're actually getting paid less. I think the, there's a the, bigger problem
0: there though. I think the problem is, is we're looking at things from a very traditional economic mindset. We look mm-hmm. at unemployment, we look at, we look at all those things, but we're now working in a very, very different environment that has culturally been forced to change overnight because as a result of the pandemic, mm-hmm. which is why you normally wouldn't talk about a supply side recession becoming like, for example, a demand side recession, which I believe that's going to happen and already happening. Right. We have this work from home situation. Yep. Where people are choosing the comfort to work from home, and they don't want to drive to work, and they don't want to put on a uniform, they don't want to put on their Starbucks outfit and work at Starbucks, but then they can get paid the same amount of money.
3: Mm-hmm. So there's
0: some long-term ramifications for that that we still haven't accepted as society. Yeah. You want a latte at a certain price, but if they have to pay their employees more to come in and do those things because their alternative is working from home and having a much more enjoyable working experience. Right. That means those companies got to either face less profits, which we know they're not going to do. No. Or they've got to raise prices.
2: Which they, which they will and they are.
0: And they will, they are. You've seen it in a lot of different ways. And I'll tell you what's really fascinating about this whole thing. And the people that – I use foreign, foreign economies as a great example of this. You can go to a foreign country right now and the dollar may be stronger or weaker. You can go to, for example, Vietnam. I like their currency because it's called the dong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to Vietnam and you get a lot of dong for $1. You know what I mean? Me. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a, You can be a dong billionaire. So you roll over, you get yourself some dong, and you go out and you have a great time. You could eat a massive five course meal. The dollar is strong, right? Right. Strong. But you come over here with some dong.
2: I mean, shit. And you're, you're not buying get, a whole lot of shit, right?
0: Get yeah, dong ain't gonna get you very far here. That's it's a whole uh, lot of dong. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any event, that's what that's what can happen here to the U.S. economy is inflation can be permanent, right? Inflation exactly. can set in and be real, and if we do not. Monitor this mm-hmm. and and really really take the time to, to get this right. And the Fed does not have a good history of getting this shit right.
2: Mm-hmm. No, they don't. I um, mean, the former chair right called that there wasn't gonna we we're gonna avoid a recession in 2007. And look what happened in 2008.
0: This fucking guy <laughs> already Powell is like we can provide a soft landing. History yeah. will show how fucked up that statement was from a timing perspective because I believe we were already in a recession. And right. I think we called about it before. So if 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 my my supposition is correct and you have any type of negative number for GDP in this next quarter, it isn't an automatic like, hey, we're in a recession. Although it meets the definition of recession, technically the Fed has to declare a recession, which is also fucked up. The same people who is responsible for for keeping this stuff at bay, Mm -hmm. they have a vested interest in going, you know what, this is not really a recession, man. Exactly. But if you ask me if that GDP number, the negative one, comes back a second time, and I believe that it will, it's already being forecasted by Atlanta's GDP now number. Then you have a recession dating back to January one. It's retroactive.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which means the whole time him, the president, everybody else, the prior episode we talked about this in detail, they were wrong. Right. They they could not provide us a soft landing to something we were already in.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So you look at, at the track record and you think to yourself, like these people are supposed to be fixing this problem, but they're not fixing it. And let's just look at the numbers we just talked about. 8.8% inflation. Right. After a 75, after a 50, after a 25 basis point increase. Mm-hmm. And there are people now, to this day, I talk to, they're like, look, Chris, here's what's going to happen. Is that the market's going to go to complete shit. And then when it goes to shit, they're gonna be, the, the Fed is going to be forced to back off rate increases and start cutting rates by the end of the year. Oh. And I'll tell you, that that might happen. Mm-hmm. I, I would say if it does happen, that will be a vital and detrimental mistake to the long-term health of this economy.
2: Yeah. I mean, the last time the last time this was done, right, uh, where they, they spiked interest rates so high, was like back in the late seventies, eighties, right? Um, the, the reason why this time is different, our debt, our debt levels. <laughs> Chris is licking his lips. <laughs> I'm looking. Look, I'm not like it. You got your phone out. You, you serious? This is, this is our debt levels now are at thirty one trillion dollars, right? Yeah. I mean, 1980 debt to GDP ratio back then, was 32%. Today, 137%.
0: I did not know that, but it does not surprise me, yeah.
2: Big difference. It's a completely different set of circumstances. So, I mean, you can't just raise the interest rates. I mean, if you were to raise the interest rates high to try to get it back in shape within a a two-year span like they did back then, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it this way. For every 1% increase in interest rates, it will cost the U.S. government an extra $310 billion in interest payments Mm
0: -hmm. per year. Yeah.
2: That's just
0: 1%. Yep. And that, that's a whole problem that, that so many Americans don't even think about because they just don't, they don't understand it and they just don't care because they want to know, what am I paying for bread? Right. What if, am I paying for rent?
2: And for those of you that don't know, the government only collects $4 trillion a year in income. Mm-hmm. Do the math. This is going to this, this be a long, drawn-out process.
0: Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a solution inside. Right. I, I mean, I've, I've gone over this a couple different ways and looked at it. And I've talked to a lot of people that I respect. I've pinged a lot of people asking their opinions on it. And the... the, the
2: What's the common theme you're
0: hearing? Man, it's all, it's all over the place. I was talking to a very, very prominent investment banker the other day. And, and he just didn't care. He, he was mm-hmm. like, look, this is, all, this is all fanfare, media fanfare, blah, 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 blah. It'll get better. It's not a big deal. People are making this a big deal. And I'm like, okay, that, that's, that's weird.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I talked to uh, somebody very, very high up in banking, very notable, and uh, you know, besides making fun of Brian Moynihan, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he went on to say that, um, that he thought that it was going to be 50 basis points next time. And I'm like, how can, how can, this, you, how can you think that?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I talked to people that were in the White House uh, and are now kind of moved on to the private sector and have their careers, and I've talked about the, all this, and, and they've really they, they've really got an interesting perspective on it. They, they keep going back to previous recessionary economies, and I, I, I keep like pausing them when they tell me about that, yeah. and I'm like, "But this is so different." It's it's all it's always different, though. The the, w- the thing that really put the nail in the coffin was the pandemic. Yeah, we fucked that up. Uh, yeah, the, because yeah. because we think about it in the context of like, if you were manufacturing something mm-hmm. and you were told that none of your workers can work, you can't continue to ma- manufacture that, then. Now your workers can get jobs for the same amount of money, but they don't have to come in to do the job. They can do it remotely or work from home. Right. It, it's, it's a very different landscape for employers, and they're also backlogged on their supply. Yeah. And then now that the supply is starting to kind of make some headway, what happens? Well, demand is going to go to complete shit because a lot of these things are just cost them more money. Not only because these, these people have to pay their employees more. I mean, it's, right. it's like this parasitic cyclical problem. Right. And then you layer in what we did to the, the human element. The behavioral economics is something that people underestimate the shit out of. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We, we gave too much money out. And, it, and people think that, okay, they always think about like the, like the lower class or like the middle class who got these semi-checks stim, who, you know, who may or may not have benefited from it. And we always talk about kind of the epitome of this scenario is the person who is making more money. On unemployment than they would at right, the jobs. Exactly. But let me tell you how that—that's—that's that's a warped perspective. Okay. PPP loans.
2: Yeah. Oh, we saw people were spending those. Oh man.
0: They went out to every small business owner out there. I mean, there was a lot of fraud, a lot of fraud and PPP and stimulus checks. But right. let's just keep it focused on the PPP loans. Okay. We gave so much money away, forgivable money, right, to small businesses. Mm. Some of these businesses should not have survived. Right. Exactly. We, we artificially took what should have been a recessionary economy. And we, we, it's crazy. I didn't even realize they were calling the COVID pandemic a, a recessionary economy until I, I realized that we forced GDP down for two, two successive quarters, six months to go negative. Right. So in, I guess in, in hindsight, it makes sense. But it's also really stupid because we did that. That wasn't like an economic event that happened. We shut ourselves in. We, I mean, just think about it this way. I think there was a stat that I read that
2: 40% of the money that was circulating was printed within the last, you know, what, 15, 16 months? Right. So, that's, that, that's crazy. So what do
0: you think that does to somebody's psychological behavior? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, you have all these kids on social media, and you have all these people that are out there that are living what they – not only – so the economy is kind of humming along at a 2% growth every single year prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But it had been humming along for 10, almost 14 years. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't had a recessionary economy. We were due anyway. right? But then what do we do? We took that, that long overdue economy and we made it 10 times worse with the COVID pandemic and the stimulus checks. And I'm already hearing stuff about states providing stimulus too. Uh, we're gonna give you recessionary stimulus. I'm, we're gonna give you, California's gonna give you an inflationary stimulus i am seen you thinking to myself, like, what the uh, fuck are we
2: doing? Yeah, man. I don't, they're not thinking about the long term. I don't I don't really – is it a potentially – I know we don't want to get too conspiratory, but a political thing? Is conspiratory a word? Uh, I, I made it one. I
0: think you did. <laughs> Good job. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> New words. All right. Conspiratory conversation. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: I don't want to start any conspiracy theories, but, I mean, do you think that any of this has to do with, like, political parties and –
0: want to you know keep not yet but what i'll tell you is it's going to get real fucking political real quick mm-hmm. so here's the midterms coming up let's just forego that for right now the election in november 2024 mm-hmm. okay i don't i don't think biden's got a shot at winning he, he's his approval rating right now at the same time during president uh trump's run of uh, presidency biden's is way lower i mean right. he, he's he's tanking fast yeah and i gotta say as somebody and i don't want to give away like who i who i voted for and all that stuff I'm, this is not yeah, about my politics i'm not about to get there but but here's here's what i will say biden isn't in front of the camera as much as trump was he's not front of mind they can't put him there <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe 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 not I don't, I don't know what it is but i'll tell you right now like I, I was thinking the other day when is the last time you saw our vice president
2: that's when a good is the last point. time you heard
0: a damn thing about her that's a good point I mean, I was literally thinking the other day, like, "Oh my God, we had this moment where you know, a uh, female." Her, her it was,
2: approval, her approval ratings are probably down low too. I, I don't, have no idea. I don't. I don't even track. No one's I don't even, even talking about her. I don't even track those things, so I wouldn't even
0: know. It's just, it's she. She could not be alive. I, I haven't heard shit. Mm-hmm. Not even a not a peep. Right. And there was a recession, and all. I mean, granted, we're doing podcasts and all this stuff because I mean it's important, it's relevant, it's top of mind for everybody else. But that goes to show you that when it comes, the election comes up. I don't know that he's going to win, even if the recession wasn't on the forefront of everyone's conversation. Right. His approval ratings got awful, but then I I don't know who the who the replacement is going to be. I mean, I, I'm sure Trump's going to do like a whole thing. I I don't know who who running running against him. I don't I don't, don't want to mm-hmm. even think about that. But what I'll tell you is, no matter who is on each side of the equation, right? This conversation is going to be a huge one, and it is going to get political because it's easy for the Republicans to say, you know what, the Democrats did this. It's easy for the Democrats to say, well, no, Trump did this with bad policies for you know eight yeah, years. Yeah, but we can
2: we can we can be honest. Neither side is, is going to be preaching on how to properly fix this thing. You know, because no one's going to want to preach
0: doom and gloom. Well, none of these politicians have the same vested economic interest as the general consumer. Does. Exactly. Inflation ain't affecting their life. Right. Let's <laughs> not let's not play coy here. Yeah, exactly. Inflation
2: is not impacting them. Top one percent after all this will become even more richer.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. they became wealthier after every single recessionary economy. Richer, by the way, not so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More rich. More wealthy. More wealthy. Richer just sounds. It
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, these guys don't. Yeah,
0: they're more wealthy. Sounds conspiratory. Conspiratory. Is that what it was? <laughs> don't let me catch you slipping. <laughs> Bro, my, my grammar is not the best, but my spelling is fucking terrible. Oh. I cannot spell to save my ass. There if I didn't have my phone and my computer to cross-check shit, yeah. I would I would spell God, it's not good. You right. would think as an attorney, like I would, I would learn that shit. No, yeah, you don't especially because I came from the genre where you actually wrote blue books. Right. Oh yeah. No. yeah. Kids these days don't know about that. They don't know about that. They don't know about those finger cramps. No, they don't. Try taking the bar on a time, time test. Try taking a bar exam over three days, like with Oof. with a pen. Oh, yeah, exactly. You literally can't like middle finger like somebody eight, at the end of it. It's bad. Eight, yeah,
2: eight hours a day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I got a funny story about the bar exam. I was in there like the time that I passed. I was because yeah, the <laughs> there, <laughs> there was multiple times. a few before that. Yeah, the time that I passed, I went in, right? And it, it was typing on the laptop at this point. And it was only two days instead of three or something like that. And the first day I went in, uh, I don't remember what the sections were the order, but the first day I was in there, like it was it, the first half was good. Um and this dude showed up late to the first half, like mm-hmm. super, super late.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You could tell, like he looked like he was high as shit. Like, I'm sure a lot of people in the room were on like Adderall and other stuff like that. But whatever. Yeah, like yeah, he looked exactly. like he, he looked like he was on something else. Right. Okay. But like he was on that good good. Okay. <laughs> like Why he, is he, and he still showed up? He showed up. He was he showed up late. Oh. First of all, he showed up the bar exam late. Like, yeah. it's already over. That's dude. another this level a, of confidence. This is a timed that's, exam. The, yeah. yeah. So, like, and then he and he finished early. Dipped, right? Finished early. <laughs> dipped. This was the first session. So, then you come <laughs> back after lunch. And he comes back in after lunch. This guy looks like he got whatever the good good was. He went back and got some more good good. Yeah. Oh, like, you should. He, can't, he was sweating when he walked in. It looked like he just ran a mile, but he was happy. Oh, how? He Had like a Slurpee or something. Oh, it, it was all wrong. And I'm, I'm next to the bathroom, right? Oh. So on my left is the restroom. People keep coming in and out of it, which is fine for me because I got a small bladder. Right. So I'm dipping into the bathroom oh, yeah, myself. yeah, good for you, like, yeah. Yeah, good for me. All I know is this dude gets up, right? It's maybe 30 minutes into the second three hour. He walks into the bathroom. And this bathroom is like a big echoey bathroom and like a convention no. center. He's like... Fuck! he <laughs> like, screams, right? Oh, my God. Walks out. And I'm I'm now at the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm just looking to see what's, what happens in the bathroom, right? Yeah. Comes out of the bathroom, grabs his stuff, throws it down on the, on the desk after he grabs it and picks it up, which is weird. And then yeah. he left.
2: Just wants to completely ruin everybody just else's left. day. Yeah. yeah it's just like. Just oh. ruined.
0: And he left. He never came back. Wow. Never came back. And like, obviously. He I mean, he sure. Pass, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, yeah. So that that's, that's, that's life. But, you know, I don't mean to divert. But what I will say is I did want to change direction a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about a level of douchebaggery I have not seen online in
2: <laughs> a long time. Yeah, you've, you've been calling, we've been calling seeing these things happen over the past year and a half, two years. So this is this one's a good one.
0: So for those of you who don't know or haven't followed uh, our social media, which I recommend you do. And by our social media, I mean mine because Saeed continues to stay anonymous because he's weird.
2: No, I just like to keep myself away from all the nonsense.
0: Which is fine because yeah. all the stuff that I post with your photo on it, like all the <laughs> Reface apps and all that stuff. That's
2: okay. I'm, okay with, that. I'm yeah, okay with okay, it. I'm okay with it. Okay, good. Good. Because it does happen. I'm telling you. full disclosure.
0: Full disclosure. Today, you know, it does happen. And it's not very flattering of you.
2: Let me tell you. Hey, I'm not very flattering in real life either, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, you
0: can't take my own thunder. Come, come on, man. On. That's, That's like, not good. It's yeah. conspiratorial. Oh, come on, man. Eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> in any event, so Baller Busters, which is uh, a, a, an Instagram page I think everybody should follow. They basically work on busting these fake flexors, as they call them. But this is an example of some of the behavior that we're seeing. And I'm going to describe this kid to you. I'm not going to give his, his name out because I'm not going to give him free traffic. <laughs> but this is probably I mean, he what does he look like? Sixteen year old old to you? Moppy hair. He's got I braces.
2: Mean, top. Yeah. I he, mean, you, you gotta go on you gotta go onto the Instagram page to check
0: it out. But he's wearing a fear of God sweater, standing in front of looks like a BMW. And this is what he has to say, because apparently at this age, maybe sixteen, maybe eighteen, he's got life advice. Wisdom. Yeah, yeah wisdom.
2: Yeah, exactly. Worse than the wise. Y'all ready for wisdom? <laughs>
1: best friend has a lambo i'm gonna want a fucking lambo and this is a perfect example of surround yourself with people you want to be like if i surround myself with a fucking guy who owns some shitty honda civic i'm not gonna be like him i don't want to be like him surround yourself with fucking millionaires
0: or you're going to be a bozo i cut him off because first of all who uses the word bozo still yeah exactly they're trying
2: to bring it back i guess i, I, I
0: don't even know but this kid. Is not exactly a good-looking kid. He's not exactly –
2: how is this normal? There's nothing about him that influences me to want to be like him. (laughs) That's an influencer right there, bro. I know. He's he's trying to be, but he's not influencing me. I feel like he influenced you. You want to go out and buy a Lambo right now? Yeah, man. I want to hang out with some millionaires. You know anybody (laughs) that I can hang out with? That I can hang
0: out with, please? Because apparently that's all it takes for me to get a Lambo. You got to surround yourself with millionaires, but not just millionaires. Millionaires with Lambos. (laughs) <laughs> yeah million
2: exactly because so, yeah, you want a lambo right so that's do, what how you how gotta you do, it? do you
0: just you assume that everybody who's got a lambo is a millionaire yeah, or do you exactly. like is there like we, a background check for yeah. this so your friend's like, like oh, does this work yeah,
2: exactly it could be a rental car bro what are you doing
0: let me tell you right now my first my first car was a 1991 honda accord oh, lx bro
2: dude my first car was a 1991 honda civic no power steering this is why we're both bozos yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you the number of accidents I almost got in without the power steering.
0: Let me ask you a question. So Adam grows up and he says, Dad, I've worked really hard. I want to buy a car. Will you uh-huh. help me? Will I help you? Yeah. Okay. You buy him a car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His first car, I'll buy him his first car. It'll be
2: a, a used car with no power steering. It's not gonna be a Lambo. <laughs> it will not be a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but he'll have a used car because I know he'll damage it and he'll mess it up. And you gotta earn the nice stuff. You gotta get it yourself.
0: My dad did the same thing to me, and I got to tell you, it makes me appreciate the hell out of what I drive now. Yeah,
2: oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you got to you got to earn it, earn it yourself. I mean, the help that I did get, and looking back on it now, I'm grateful for. Right? I mean, there was a life lesson there to be taught too.
0: So, your dad ever um, sit you down and talk to you about like financial literacy, like like money?
2: No, no, never um, did. Never did. No,
0: my dad did never. Yeah, yeah. My dad always like. He went through some like ups and downs. Like, he was very successful at one point on all this real estate and less successful at other points. But he never really sat me down and talked to me about money.
2: Yeah, for for, for my sake, it was always the number one conversation always had to do with, you know, respect people. It really tried to preach like empathy. Right? That was the number one thing I always got from all of our conversations. So
0: does true empathy um, exist though? Can you really empathize with somebody else's circumstances even though you don't know them?
2: I don't know if you can uh, you can without knowing them, but you can have an open mind to a conversation. So at least that's what I try to come forward with. Anytime I have a conversation with someone, and the conversation about a topic that we clearly disagree on, hey, I'll sit down and at least have an open mind let me hear your side before I give you my preconceived See, That's notion. not empathy
0: though. That's open mindedness, right? Yeah, yeah so, but it's, I, it's I, like my dad says, I'm my dad trying was trying to way. be empathetic. My dad, my dad, my dad was never empathetic. My mom always preached empathy, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, look, I look at it as this, like, I, I try not to judge other people because I don't know what they're going through. Yes, exactly. But I see a kid like this and I'm like, fuck him. Mm-hmm. I don't care what he's going through. Yeah. Like, where's your parents?
2: Yeah, no, I know. But he's, he's probably, he sees all the other people online. that are like, he's like, I want a million followers. He's trying to sound like, he sounds like he's trying to be Gary Vee.
0: Oh, God, that's insulting to Gary V.
2: No, but he's trying. I know. Gary I don't, don't, don't want to get sued, man. <laughs> no, Gary Vee's trying to preach a, a different type of message, right? But, like, it's just another guy that's trying to sound all brass. right, and-
0: let's go here. For those of you who like Gary Vee, this is not me knocking Gary V. This is just me taking the other side, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, grain of salt. Don't freak out. If you want to DM somebody, address all your DMs to Saeed. <laughs> Good luck. <All> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I look, don't have a problem with Gary Vee. I'm no, just saying I, this I'm kid is trying to Gary follow him. Yeah. But here's here's so let me just throw out something about Gary Vee. Okay. Gary V's father owned a wine business. Okay. Which Gary V got the opportunity to run. And mm-hmm. that's how we started on YouTube and social media. Okay. So in a lot of ways, as much as Gary V has completely built himself up and really built a huge empire and he's crushing it. Right. Crushing it. Lots of respect for what he's doing there. He got a leg up.
2: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, he, he so he got a leg up, and the message that he's trying to preach is look, just because you, if you don't have a leg up, go out there and try to find a way to make it, right? Yeah, but that, that's
0: not sensationally new advice.
2: No, it's not. But that he, should it, be it's inherently
0: logical to all of us.
2: It should, but some people need different types of messaging, right? And I'm, look, if that messaging isn't for me, but I can see how it might be effective for some people, right? So, um, I mean he's all he's all he's really preaching is positive messaging. Like, go out and do it. You can fucking do it. Go, go hard, go hard, go hard. And like Okay, man, I get it. Like, the power of positive yeah. thinking. The secret. The book. Yeah, the secret. Like, go go to garage sales and <laughs> find a come up. That's, like, a weird, come, that's a weird. That's a weird hobby. The, that's
0: what, just weird. Like, yeah, like, what that are you whole doing? Thing yeah, is weird. Yeah, right? yeah. I get the whole eBay thing. Like, sell stuff the say. Can we pause and also reference? You know, an oddly large amount of information about Gary Vee for a guy who does not have social media. What, bro, he's always in the news. What do you mean? I can't read he's articles in, online. Bro, get the fuck out of here! He's in the news. He's <laughs> not in the, there. I, I <laughs> would challenge who, you right who, now. Who doesn't know who Gary V is, bro? How long we been friends? Twenty years. Uh yeah. Okay, you've never sent me one fucking article referencing Gary Vee.
2: What article have
0: I sent you? You just said me articles, articles online. Sent you. <laughs> stop. Stop.
2: Yeah. But anyways, um, I do not have
3: stalker accounts online. You're clearly, I don't have burner. Stalker I don't have I will, burner accounts. I will
0: prove this shit out. Okay, at some this out. I'm gonna look at your phone. No, your phone. we'll unlock it right For now. Those of you who know his password. <laughs> <laughs> Go
2: down. I'm it's not. The, looking, I'm, not doing this I'm not doing this. Come on. Like, like, it's yeah. fine.
0: Like whatever. You're. It's. It's. You're in denial. That's fine. <laughs> You keep your secret. I'll be out here being the social face of the podcast, and you can be the the guy behind with bad grammar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Bad grammar and doesn't know anything about economics. So,
0: <laughs> so, I look at kids like this. You know when we were kids, and we used, like, we used slang and vernacular that our parents didn't understand? Yeah. Do you think this is the new version of that? I'll go more on that one. So... I have, you know, my little brother and little sister who mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about offending because they never listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, any of them. Right. Three, no, three yeah, sisters. None, yeah, none of them. None of them. Zero. And my brother, yeah. also zero. They use a lot of language. Like, for example, for the longest time, they were, they were saying lit and dank. Lit and, oh, God, dank. Yo, that's lit. Yo, that's dank. Yeah. By um, the way, a lit spot is a bright spot. A dank spot is a moist dark spot. Yeah, yeah. And yet yeah. those are both cool. Right, right. But I mean, I'm not just, the asshole here, bro. You're confusing.
2: Yeah, me. yeah but I mean back in the day they did the same thing. It's just the new generation trying to start their own thing. Like, okay, okay. Yo, so, that's bad. I that mean, so you good. have empathy for that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you All go. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. You don't have empathy for this kid? This no. is the, this is the new cool. This is the new way of building yourself. This is the new way of building of building stuff. And maybe maybe we're missing the, maybe, the no. Big picture. This
2: isn't no. This isn't slang. This is giving you bad advice. You're going to go down a tunnel. Waste your time for the next. But given who better? About,
0: who months? the fuck's going to listen to this shit and go? You know what, man? I need to find some fucking guys with Lambos
2: yeah, and Yeah, exactly. Hanging out with them. Yeah. No one's gonna do that. No one's gonna Who's do that. real who's gonna give him bad advice to? Yeah. How many bosses do you think this guy has on his accounts? <laughs> oh for sure a lot. Yeah, for sure. sure. I, I didn't
0: even go to his account. I was just like, Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Yeah. No. But, but <laughs> it is what it
2: is. I like how they I like how they uh captioned it. Failed parenting, one. <laughs> yeah, Ballerbusters did that though.
0: <laughs> can you imagine being this
2: guy's dad? Yeah.
0: Hey, son, I saw your uh, your Instagram post and good, good job, good taking job. initiative. I saw
2: the twenty two likes. Um,
0: uh, no, he got he got a lot more uh, a lot more commentary. Than that, I'm sure because yeah. Ballerbusters posted him. so he probably got a lot of people right giving him clown emojis and shit. In the, in the Damn, shame, it's man. not it's not a good thing. Yeah, don't you, follow this guy. Yeah, if you I don't I don't even know his name. I deleted it. I, yeah. did, I didn't even look him up. But he's like twelve, so right. that's all good. <laughs> so to cap off the show, I wanted to make uh, a couple predictions as it relates to the economy. And so far, our predictions—just so you know—we've been a hundred percent. We've we've held up. We've held up, it, which is shocking because I'm an idiot mm-hmm. and you know nothing about I the economy. I know nothing, so, so there's that between the
2: two of us. Yeah, we should it, be. We I should mean, be it, it's
0: it's kind of magical that we've been able to get something right. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I've been taking a look at a lot of the data, and I'm talking to a lot of the real estate. Oh shit! Actually, real estate agents. Um, my area, this area, first time ever Mm -hmm. this week. uh, Price reduction. Price reduction. Yeah, three percent
2: after you know how long the average time um, on listed online. So
0: a couple different. So there's like three like large real estate agents or teams that were kind of farm the area, and Mm -hmm. the uh, two large ones they just won't reduce their price even in the market for like 40 days, right? Some cases like 28, whatever. Mm -hmm. But a smarter, younger agent. After fourteen days, reduce the price by three percent, oh wow, yeah, and I, I expect to see a lot more of that from the older crowd who just have, doesn't get it yet, yeah, which is funny because you would think the older crowd would get it, but they're just right they're they're very reticent to change the price, but we're starting to see that everywhere and i actually posted some articles recently that home pricing is coming down that that this is not even a debatable point at this point it's it's a fact. right yeah it's it's coming down yeah, it's
2: they'll be adjusted and corrected,
0: yeah, so we're we're already seeing that right now, so as much as, the, and again, the whole supply and demand argument, is dumb as that is, when you have a supply side recession going into a demand side recession, what was already slowing down the trajectory of, of home prices is only gonna be exasperated by what comes next. And right. that's the prediction. Right. So 75 basis points, that's your July interest rate increase, interest yep. rate
2: increase, right? That's, the, that's prediction number one.
0: At the end of the month, I'm also gonna predict right now, negative GDP growth, you're gonna walk into a recession. Boom. So recession started yeah, January back, one, all the way through here. Back to back quarters. But I will say this recessionary economy will be unlike any other recession economy we've ever experienced before in our life because it has been underestimated by so many experienced professional people.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, the the tough prediction is going to be how long will it last for?
0: So the data shows that it, the length of any recessionary economy historically, and there's been probably six or seven of them that i looked at, has traditionally matched the, the length of the prosperous economy going into it.
2: Oh, my God.
0: So if you think about that, normal economy is seven to ten years prosperous, goes into a seven to ten year right. recessionary cycle, and and people understand that like, the entire recession isn't bad. You, you kind of go into this trough. Right. Think about it as like a giant sine wave, right? You start off kind of at the bottom of the hill, you work your right. way to the top, right. work your way back down. You're still in a recession, and when you come yeah. back down, it's prosperous, right? So yeah. it, it's not all like this polar, like harsh behavior. So the lagging indicator we talked about unemployment, three point six percent, sub four percent. We keep pointing to that. That's one of those questionable variables where I don't think I got enough data and inputs yet to make kind of a judgment call as to what happens next. But what I'll tell you historically, and I, I don't know how the COVID pandemics damage that we did to the economy plays into this. But mm-hmm. historically speaking, you don't hit the height of the recession until that lagging indicator creeps up. Got it. Right. Right. So when we see that unemployment really get wild. Mm hmm that's when you know you've hit the height of the recession. And it's a lagging indicator, so you're not gonna see it until after it's until already it's happened. it's
2: already done, you'll already feel the impact.
0: So I'm looking at things like uh, a 25, a 50, and a 75 basis point interest rate increase up to now, and we still see a 0.2% increase estimated over CPI.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We're gonna see negative GDP growth is, is kind of Atlanta Fed's early prediction. Again, all these are predictions, then the final information comes out, it comes out at the end of the month. right? We're seeing all these things happen. So nothing that the Fed is doing right now is making a dent. And when you think about that from uh, – I use this all the time. You take the elasticity out of the economy. Right. You, you remove all this motion. It's going to take a tremendous amount of movement mm-hmm. to get us to move back, to decelerate. Right. And right now, people are going, like, oh, my God, we've done all this like, increase. We've done all these things. And you know it's, it's for sure going to calm down. Maybe you're No. No, no. And, and I don't understand. I feel like I'm the crazy person in a room every time I talk to somebody where I see how bad this could potentially be. And I don't say that to threaten anybody or stress, or stress them out. I don't think real estate value is going to be to crash right now. No. I'm calling 10 to, 20, 10 to 20%. I was calling 10 to 12% before. I think 10 to 20%. Which, takes the,
2: which probably takes them right back to pre-pandemic numbers, right? No, no, no,
0: no. It takes them just back to last year. Oh. Actually, less in California, like 24, 25%. Yeah. 24.7, I think was the number. Well, I, I was, I was thinking on the high end,
2: year. like 20%. Of yeah. It'll that. take
0: you back one year. So it's not as impactful as it sounds. But right. when you think about the growth over one year, that's been insane. Yeah. It is insane. I'll tell you what's going to go away is so you're going to see a lot of these weekend realtors go away.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of these people, like, I got, I got a flyer in the mail the other day. The dude was a pilot. <laughs> like, like it literally, is now a realtor.
3: <laughs> and, I mean,
0: it's that yeah yeah and, and that, like i get it like whatever respect to you for you know making an effort but yeah, those kind of people are going away yeah yeah and as, as the economy shores up now here's what i'm afraid of and here's what i don't have the data to kind of predict the end of the year mm-hmm. i don't know if the fed's going to back off monetary policy or not i don't think there's any data i've seen as of right now which tells me they should deviate from their course of consistent and strong increases over time right if they do that, it will be catastrophic to the long-term viability of our economy. Yeah. we might be living on the dog. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, Not that we've, or, we've already pervert. we've already, <laughs> I, I didn't even touch it. I didn't touch you the dog. About, I didn't touch the dog. I thought
0: <laughs> I thought about it. You thought about touching the dog. I know you do <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. But no, we've talked about it on our previous podcasts. I mean, look, they're going to start pulling out forty-five billion dollars a month, and then next is. Uh, you know get up to ninety after two or three months. I mean, we we're just now getting into it. So oh, quantitative tightening. Yeah. 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 We're just now getting into it. So it will, will. It should be interesting, man. The next couple months, and I hope. I hope it's not as bad as you know as we're making it seem because it does sound like doom and gloom, but it's scary. Well, scary well, times. See, that's
0: the thing, though. It's, it's like it's, I don't mean to be negative. I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy. Like, no, I'm trying it, to be positive. Just, like these yeah. are great opportunities. Yeah. but How How do you how do you tell people the truth without coming off negative when you legitimately believe? Yeah, what, that what this? Yeah. Here's a problem. If, if I'm wrong, right? Why is Brian Moynihan out there been proven wrong the like, a month and a half after he said some shit? Some data comes out, and they're like, he should not have been saying that the time he was saying it, right? Yeah, there are so many examples. The Fed, the Secretary Jerome Powell. Yeah. literally said he could provide a soft landing. What well, we'll look back on in history and say we were in a recession when he said that. The president of the United States said this is not a big deal as everybody's making it. The economy is strong while we were in a recession. Yeah. Yeah, man. And now we have this transmuted recession from supply to demand recession, which is going to be the weirdest recessionary economy I think we've ever seen in our adult lifetimes and certainly in history that I've ever looked at. And as much as I wanted to – we're going to go into overtime this episode. I don't give a damn. All right. I'm looking at stuff like commercial real estate. Uh-huh. I'm thinking to myself, okay, a lot of these rents went up. Yeah. A lot of these rents went up. A lot of these multifamily apartment buildings went up. Right. What happens when people can't pay? If you're in a state like California, you got rent control, so you can't jack them up super high. Right. But evicting a tenant in California is not easy. No. It takes, it takes a long ass time.
2: Months. And then they could sit there. They could squat. Right? right. And
0: Yeah. What happens to the debt service coverage ratio on that building? What happens to the cash flows coming in? Now, Grant, if you underwrite and you have strong tertiary support in the form of sponsorship, you're not doing all non recourse lending. You're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. But what happens to these buildings where there were businesses? Yeah, these office buildings. Right. I mean, and that's probably you know the
2: mindset they had when they were issuing out all those PPP loans, and that's what they were thinking of and afraid of, but not really, you know, foreshadowing you know the damage
0: that will be doing. Well, then, then it's like, okay, well, what happened? Do you, do you redevelop it in the multifamily? We obviously have a housing shortage. So, mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe you allocate a certain amount of that to low income, but then you're waiting on municipalities and governments to How to long move is that going to so does take? That forever. Gonna take yeah, yeah. So we're just going to have vacant office buildings sitting around. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you looked at it. So I, every time I drive by, I, since I was a kid, I've done this, and especially now that I'm in banking. Every time I drive by a community, especially communities I don't know, I love walking through them. But if I drive by, I love to look at the buildings and see the businesses that are there. Yeah. Somebody owns that business. Right, exactly. And you'd be surprised if, if you're more aware of driving by how many of those businesses are actually smaller businesses that are not owned by large companies, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like There's
0: Mono, a Mono lot Pops, there. So yeah. But I've looked at a lot of the new towers, office towers in and around our area. There's a lot of construction mm-hmm. here like Miami. There's a lot. Dallas is a lot. I can see right through entire floors still. Yeah, empty, vacant, right? Vacant. Yeah. How long
2: can that go? Yeah, how long can, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, what? You know, how do they solve that problem? What do they fill that space with? I mean, what kind of concessions need to be given, you know?
0: And keep in mind, all these buildings have debt service coverage ratio of covenants. They all have They all have limitations. We both know that. I mean, right. grand, banks are not going to declare a technical event of default for somebody not hitting their debt service requirements. But here's what, how it impacts banks, okay? Mm-hmm. As long as they're still being able to pay, make the payment, so maybe they've got you know investors and they can pull money together. Maybe they can bridge the shortfall because there's a strong sponsor behind it. Who knows, right? But if they're making their payment, banks are going to declare them in a monetary default because they're making the payment. Exactly. They could easily declare them in a technical event of default, but banks are not in the the business of foreclosing on properties. And they sure should not want to take a property over that's vacant because Mm -hmm. that's not going to have anywhere near the inherent value as it should be if it were stabilized and occupied. A lot of bad PR with that, too. a lot of bad PR with that. But what banks will do is they'll have to downgrade it. Yeah. Because the regulatory requirements. So for those of you who don't know, most banks have a nine scale system uh, of risk rating. Mm -hmm. Effectively, nine is a loss, right? Five is typically your watch list. We're going to watch this credit and see if there's any issues there. Anything below five is considered your your classified assets, right? Mm-hmm. So six would typically be special mention. And anything that's five or, I'm sorry, six or below, special mention or below,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you have to carry higher insurance costs for You have to carry more reserves mm-hmm. on your balance sheet. You have mm-hmm. to look at them. There's more due diligence that's required of banks. You have to do it on a quarterly basis. It's not a, just a homogeneous product that goes into their portfolio and, and sits there now. But, now we know you're not making enough money to pay the bills. We got to watch this.
2: Right. And when the, when these loans are ni- initially made, they're made at, you know, a three, right? A uh, satisfactory th- level, yeah, right? Th- three or four. Three or four. Three or four and yeah, accept- satisfactory, accept- acceptable, yeah. Three or four, satisfactory, acceptable. And then, tell. so then, I guess, talk a little bit about what happens when <clears throat> it needs to be dropped to a five. Are there certain reserves that need to get set aside for those loans or...
0: So for a larger bank, it's a pretty, it's a pretty calculated and decision tree-based process, right? There's not a lot of subjectivity to it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of you do what you're supposed to do. So uh, I like to use a multifamily example. It's very easy because I think most people understand apartments. If you have a property and it's got five tenants in it, that's the lowest multifamily you can have. And one of your people leave, that's a 20% effective reduction in your income. Mm-hmm. That property which is supposed to have a minimum debt service coverage ratio of 1.25 or 1.15 or whatever your minimum is from your lender. Can drop below that. Mm-hmm. If it drops below that, that's typically a trigger in and of itself on the asset quality review. So prior to the Great Recession, banks were doing a really terrible job of updating the debt service coverage ratio on their portfolio. Mm-hmm. And what got really tight after the Great Recession, and certainly as it's around the same time that the Dodd Frank uh, Reform Act came out, was that the the banks were required to make sure they were really on top of their asset quality review and checking these assets. And for those of you who don't understand what asset quality review is, effectively, if you get a commercial loan. You're required on an annual basis to provide updated tax returns, operating statements, and rent rolls for the property, so the bank can re-underwrite the cash flow of that property to make sure that you're still hitting your debt service coverage ratio requirements. Yep. exactly. If you fall below that, they have to downgrade your risk rating. Right. A risk rating, depending on the bank. So, in this case, if you originated to call it a three or mm-hmm. a four, acceptable, right? Mm-hmm and you're making below one-to-one debt service coverage ratio, most banks will use that as a trigger to downgrade you to like a special mention or po- perhaps a watch. Right. If they think it's a temporary thing and it's not going to be permanent, like it's maybe just a relining it out the property, then it might be a watch for a little bit and they'll upgrade you in a month or maybe uh, or maybe a quarter or whatever right. it might be. right. If it's a little bit more t- challenging or there's some other tertiary factors that cause a weakness, they'll move it to su- special mention. At which point the bank now has to look at it in the worst case event scenario of a default. Right. What, are, what are we going to lose? We have to do, we have to, it's adversely classified at that point. There's accounting limitations on us at that point. We have to start looking at our exposure. Right. And when we look at our exposure, we have to figure out what that could be. And there's a couple different ways to do that. It's a very manual process. Everything else, because of CECL, the current expected credit loss module for, for banks, effectively from day one, every time we originate or we, um, we buy, Alone, We have to set aside reserve funds that day for a potential loss or future forecasts at origination or acquisition of losses. Exactly. Is the proper vernacular. So the long story about all this you know, fancy lingo is, is that as much as we're setting aside reserves the first day we, set, we get your loan because there's a risk inherent in all loans, the second you go below watch,
3: mm-hmm.
0: that reserve creeps up a lot. And up. that imp- imp- impacts banks. And
2: this simple. is a, and this you know, process with the asset quality review provides a good indicator for the bank to see what's going on as a whole. Because you'll start to see, you know, if people are dropping, loans are dropping below levels, right. then you'll kind of know what's going on with the market.
0: Right. And then we have to do an impairment analysis on each one of those properties and figure out if we are impaired, if it's collateral dependent, if it's not. And there's a bunch of accounting rules that go into it. And for the general public, it doesn't really matter. Here's, here's why all this is relevant to you, the consumer. As these things start to happen, there are other tertiary impacts that you can observe and get a gauge for the market. The stuff like Brian Moynihan here miss mm-hmm. it, it, they're they're out there. It's just a question of do you choose to see them? So if banks are setting aside more reserves, right, it's because they anticipate a potential a greater potential of default. Now banks are not in the, in the business of manipulating their balance sheet they have to have an accounting justification for setting aside more reserves. They yeah. can't just because they feel like it. Yeah. Some of that will be because their models tell them that we're walking into a recessionary economy, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of that will be because they're setting aside additional reserves because they have credits, which are potentially defaulting in a technical default way or a monetary default way. And as a result of that, those reserves for those classified assets will increase. And you, me, any of us can go pull the, the, the public filings for any bank out there and you can look into that and you can see what assets they have that are defaulting. You can see their call report, for example, which is also the public document. Right. So and the, the thing is that we're not really educated on, on looking at SEC reports or looking at bank reports, but that's, that's, that's all out there. So when we talk about all these indicators of the economy, maybe we should end the episode on this. Somebody hit me up the other day and asked why I post all the stuff that I post. Oh, interesting. And,
2: I, and you post on a lot of different things. So, about what exactly?
0: So, I post on a lot of stuff about the economy, but I tend to post if you follow my Instagram or Twitter or any of these other platforms that I'm on, uh, I, I tend to post articles that I'm reading.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're usually about the economy, they're usually about real estate, and they're usually about just general kind of finance and you know, around that realm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I serve as a chief credit officer of a publicly traded bank. That's my day job. And as that, my job is to monitor the aggregate risk of the portfolio and make sure that what we're bringing in meets a certain threshold and is adjusted to whatever the market conditions may be. Right. I manage all the way through, all the way through special assets, the groups that did the upgrades and downgrades and then work out any of the quote problem loans. So it's it's a pretty robust and, and dynamic job. Knowing what's going on in the economy is a massively relevant part of my job. Definitely. Yeah. And I will admit, as it should be. Yeah. I will admit for the last 10 to 14 years, it's been a lot easier because it's been a very stable and unnecessarily and unusual, unusually stable economy. It, it, it hasn't required as much monitoring. As I ramped up the monitoring for what's going on in the economy and spent a lot, of, a lot more time dealing with the econometric kind of circumstances that we're in. That is an actual word.
2: Yeah. Way, econometric. <laughs> it got a I was yeah. about to
0: call yeah, you on that. that. That's a real one. Yeah. <laughs> don't call me out on that one because you don't look bad <laughs> if you call me out on that you one because then we're going to know. You knew so yeah, well. we so we're going to know your grammar bad. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tend to look at the econometric data and I tend to look at all this information. But I thought to myself a long time ago, I should share this with other people so that they can see what I'm looking at so that I, they can tell where my thoughts are. Because you don't get access to someone like me typically in an organization.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: You certainly don't know who the chief credit officers are at Bank of America Wells. They're generally somebody operating behind the scenes. You don't get to see them. That doesn't make me cool or special. I'm just kind of different in my age demographic and, and my use of social media. Plus, I think people like this stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're providing valuable information that people wouldn't be privy to.
0: I think they would be. I just don't think they would get it in as aggregated and as compact of a, a structure as I provide Right, it. exactly. I provide kind that's of like the, the value. highlight. Yeah, that's, that, the value that's the value of in it, yeah. I'm saving you time if you follow that. But I know this all sounds like doom and gloom, and I know that it all sounds negative. My intent is not to be negative, and my intent is not to make anyone feel bad except for Saeed. It's to keep you apprised of the circumstances so that you can, from an informed and educational, educated standpoint, make decisions that will hopefully make your life and enrich your life and make it better and enrich it and give you the opportunity to, to really create the next generation of wealth for you and your family. This stuff should scare you a little bit, but it also should get you thinking about opportunities to leverage what you now know, despite the rhetoric, despite people that you see or are in positions of power like the Brian Moynihan's out there. Right. And be smart about what you do next. And
2: prepare, right? I mean, failure to prepare is preparing to fail.
0: Really going to end the show on a cliche like yeah, that?
2: Yeah, man. That's how you ended. I, I teed uh, it up for you perfectly. Ah. Uh. Confucius, saidishus. Oh,
0: damn it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna call it a wrap right there because he just compared himself to Confucius. Can you spell that? No, absolutely. Can you? No, absolutely not. I exactly. can not spell that. I can Google the shit out of it though. Yeah, exactly. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts.